Welcome to season two of the Shopstool podcast, a podcast for woodworkers and the maker community in general. With Joey Chalk from King Post Timberworks, Brian Cush from Sawdust Bureau, and Robin Lewis from Robin Lewis Makes. Hi everyone, I hope you're all very well. This is episode 27, season two of the Shopstool podcast. As always, I want to start by introducing my two co-hosts. Joey, how's it going? Yeah, very good. Robin, how are you? Not too bad, thanks. And Brian, how are you? Oh, not too bad. Not too bad down here in the pariah state of Victoria. Yeah, yeah. And you've <laughs> yeah. obviously had a bit of a busy week in that regard. Yeah, it's been fun. Yeah. And uh, my name is Robin Lewis, so welcome to the show, everyone. Now, before we get into the show tonight, I have some news, and I haven't even told Joey or Brian that I'm going to be announcing this news, so this is Woo-hoo. fresh, hot off the press. I am expecting... A second child. Holy uh, child. Congratulations. Beginning of January. January 4th, I think. January wow. 3rd or 4th. Yeah. Nice one. So, yeah. Getting ready for, for number two. Super excited. And um, I've already got the cot made, which is kind of <laughs> cool. <laughs> and, 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 I don't even know. It. Have you got the bedrooms and everything available? Are you like set your house housewise? Are you, are you good or are you going to have to do some work? Yeah, I reckon we'll be all right, but just that's just because of the approach that we've taken to parenting. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. we we yeah, we should be yeah, fine. fine. But um, at some point, like we reckon we're going to stop at two kids. At some point, probably in like the next five to ten years, we are either going to have to renovate or you know move out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Find some space. Yeah, I hear that. Yeah, so it's, cool. That's awesome. Yeah, it's going to be a. We might have to call an end to the season at the end of the year, and then yep. <laughs> so I can go on some paternity leave. Yeah, right. Fair enough. Yeah. So yeah, pretty excited. Anyway, back to the show. So Joey has got a story. Yes. Joey's story. Anyone who follows the shows knows about Joey's stories. I don't know, <laughs> put, man. Put your feet up. Get a beer. Yeah, yeah man. I'm, I'm pretty excited about this as well. So what's well, going on? So it's it's. A really similar MO to everything else, all these other stories, and it started with lovely lady client and <laughs> her dream kitchen. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Let's build your dream kitchen. And everything was going pretty good. They were the clients were stuffing around a little bit, getting me what I needed, but about two or three weeks delay with getting me what I need and then um, actually by the time they were ready to install it was a few weeks longer than they had anticipated but didn't bother me I had everything just dropped off in their garage so fine so install day comes and now I meet Mr. Client the husband and it just turns (laughs) on its head like (sighs) this is not the first time that you've had this issue with the one half no that's what I mean it's that's the same bloody thing where the dude is a complete prick (laughs) yeah. <laughs> like, um, what was his I'm problem? So, I'm so emotionally drained from this the whole week. I've just been dealing. This constantly texting me about. At this point, I'm 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 just about to walk away from this one and just. So was keep... this at the stage that you had quoted it and she had? No, this this is we have we installed it. He's there. Oh shit! You're right. Okay, you got right to it's the end. Built. Sorry, I missed like, that bit. Yeah, yeah. We're right. installing. Um, so halfway through the install, so this guy is either a manager of a construction firm group or, or the owner of this kind of construction. I'm, I'm not entirely sure 
but mm. he he he's got tools. He's renovating the house. He he's you know he thinks he knows what he's talking about. But he's OCD like you've never met, and I I don't know how to deal with someone like he is he is measuring everything we do with calibers like this guy. What while you're there? While we're there, and oh so boy, he he started. We had. <laughs> Uh, I don't even. I don't want to get too much in the weeds because it, it just goes on and on and on. But we had installed all the cabinetry and we're starting to do face panels and get things just lining up nicely. And he's and then he he starts unscrewing the cabinets from the wall and pulling because he's like, oh, this doesn't line up properly. We need to pull the unit. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa! You, this is your kitchen, sure. At some point, if you want to keep fiddling with this stuff you have to take responsibility for what happens, all the knock-on effects of you pulling these cabinets around and shifting stuff. Now, sorry, up until this point, have you sort of got a, a, a vibe that it's going to go this way? Or is he just uh, suddenly turned? Pretty much from when I met him, I was like, oh, right. Ah. You could just tell the personality type. I'm the boss. You know, this is my way or the highway kind of thing. And I was just playing it cool, but... At that point, when I said you're going to have to take responsibility when something happens, uh, you know, if something doesn't fit at some point, it's not my fault. You just started pulling the cabinets off the wall. Um, that's when it's Joey, come outside. And um, so he took me outside and just tried to give me a dressing down in front of all the other guys that were there on site. And um, he just kind of lost his mind at me for 10 minutes. And then, he, ah, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. I could have done a better job working out of the back of my van. Um, you know, this yes. is, you know, the worst kitchen I've ever seen. And I'm like, okay, well, let's tell me, show me. What have I done that is so terrible? And so he starts complaining about this quarter of a millimeter little gap that I can fix. But he was just going off his nut about it. Um, there was one legitimate chip in one of the oak panels that I hadn't seen, and I said, shit, man, sorry, I'll replace that panel. And then he goes, no, I don't even care about it. And I was like, <laughs> all right. It doesn't sound like it. Why are we, ta- why are we talking about this? Did uh, you get the feeling he's just trying to lowball you and get a discount off the yeah, final that, 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 was that, the... was, that was my impression right. after that day, and I was like, this guy is just complaining about everything. Yeah. Um, so part of this part of this is that he had picked up some of the finished panels from my workshop to help me transport it to his house. In the process, at some point, he dropped um, the drawer fronts for part of this kitchen and dinged the corners up. Now, And he's told you this? No, he's not admitting to it. Because okay. I didn't do it. <laughs> Someone <laughs> did it. It wasn't me. Um... But now, because it's all grain matched over this whole big wall of panels, I've just had to remake a whole wall of panels because there's a little ding on this, these corners. And so that's uh, just a, a nightmare. And then he's changed his... He's just, uh, he's just a guy who talks, 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 and you can't get anything done while they're there because it's just talking, talking, talking. Jeez. So the, the end result of all this is I still have to go back tomorrow and it's going to be interesting because he's been texting me all day saying how the, the, some bits of the kitchen don't work and 
we need to rip it all out and start again, and he's going to show me how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> you looking forward to your tutorial? It's going to be an interesting day tomorrow, I tell you. Yeah. So um, oh, it would, would have been interesting to do the podcast tomorrow night because <laughs> I would have like a, a definitive answer to the, the story. So at this point, um, originally he actually said I just he just wanted me to drop the kitchen off and he would install it when he when he was ready. And I think that's probably what should have happened because he's got some ridiculous uh, level of accuracy, which I don't actually know how to achieve what he's asking because I, yeah. I just can't do it. I'm not sure what he wants. So um, he does uh, sound like a case of just just drop it there, just discount yeah. whatever your day's labour rate was, and just get on with it because he sounds yeah. like a disaster. So at this point, I, depending what his attitude is, right first thing tomorrow morning, uh, I will probably end up saying, look, you wanted to do the install in the first place. I'm going to take two grand off the final price of this job yeah. and go for it. Go for your life. Here's all the things you need. Uh, I've got all the documents I need for the, um, the, the, um, the brochures and th- things for the different kinds of hardware. And um, so he, follow the instructions. There you go. It's your baby. So I'm hoping that's what's going to happen. But uh, let's see. And I'm, I'm going to be losing money. Like, But oh, yeah. um, it's not worth... At the start of the week, I was like, that's it. I'm taking this guy to court. Like, He is not getting away with my cash. And at this point, we are so busy. I, can't, I do not have the mental power to be dealing with just, an, just a guy who's just not wanting to pay and completely unreasonable. So... Uh, mm. it just, whew, it's just one of those, like, what have I got myself into? Um, deep breaths, deep breaths. Yep. Because <laughs> we've, we've talked about this before, uh, about where the line is <clears throat> between taking money and taking your pride back. Mm. And it's much, like, I, I guess now, obviously, because you have a lot of work on the go, it's, it's an easy choice. Yeah. But, Brian, have you ever walked away from a job because you just thought, nah, this, this smells wrong, something's not right. Um, I've been close maybe once. I think I spoke about it before, the table that had to get up the mm. four flights of stairs and I had yep, to cut yep. the steel stringer in situ with an angle grinder and that was probably the closest I've been but I can definitely see that doing kitchens um, would be an absolute nightmare. Um, the yep. volume of work, the number of things that have to come together perfectly. So many parts. Um, yeah, so... Thankfully, I haven't, but 90% of my work is all freestanding, so once yeah, it leaves the workshop, I'm pretty confident that it's going to get into the apartment and look look the same as when it left my shop, but no, I haven't, mm. haven't quite had those experiences yet. I've definitely, I've definitely walked away from jobs just right off the bat, like the, 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 um, the product you want me to make sounds weird and dodgy. Like why? Oh do you yeah. Want, oh, I've had plenty like, of those. Yeah. 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 Like why do you why do you want me to make that? I don't want to do it. Or the whole this your company sounds dodgy. Like this yeah. is some official big company email, emailing me from a Gmail account. It's just this just <laughs> yep. doesn't sound right. Like if so an if get, an email starts, Joey, dear sir, I'm yeah, done. Yeah. I'm done. Yeah. I know it's or, been sent to a hundred yeah. different people. <laughs> well, there's yeah. that, and it's got three different types of fonts and cut yep. and pastes, and yep. you're like, nope. Yeah. But see, so that happens on a daily basis. But but yeah. the ones where people actually 
make an effort to give me a phone call and then they send me follow-up information and pictures and dimensions and you're like right this is a legit client yeah but it's very difficult to know what the partner of that person is going to be like and and i've come to learn Mm. that's the reason those people don't call me is because they can't do it in a nice way so the wife does it Mm. and um not to say that they're in cahoots but it's like they already they understand that that's not how they work so that's fine the lady of the house is the one who's um dealing with me but he's the one who says that the work is shit <laughs> yeah it just gets too much and you can't let it you just can't hand over that control any longer yeah you just so imagine his brain exploding at the thought that someone's yeah. getting away with this it's such a strange uh it's a strange whole the whole thing is just kind of does my head in uh, i, I like this guy's talking about inconsistencies of measurements that you would find the same inconsistency between two different brands of measuring tape. Like, yeah, we're, wow. we're talking. We're talking like actually, he's complaining about quarter of a mil, half a mil, and I'm just like, Jeez. I'm not sure what you want. Your house is crooked as mm. you know, <laughs> a crooked thing, <laughs> and um, so I thought I did a pretty darn good job, but. I must say, I've only ever done with this working in this business one install on site, and that's that really made me reconsider ever doing that again. So <laughs> I'm 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 working on a bathroom, and it was fine. There was no problems, but you've got to problem solve in the moment. Yeah, you've got to get it right, and not even in just, the moment. It's you have to do it in advance. You have to think of all the things that could go wrong, right. and you bring yeah. all the backup tools. Yeah. That's that's so it. I've just put a drill through your concrete wall, and now I've got to do something. Like I can't just say, "All right, I'm out, I'm done. See you later." I've got to solve it, and that's man, it's it's a lot of stress, and especially Brian, as you say, with the kitchen, where mm. there's just parts, there's parts everywhere. Mm-hmm. You've yes. got to make it come together. So I am at the moment I'm working on a, a bathroom vanity for a, a client. So it's a very simple bathroom vanity. And the top has already been provided. It's a, um, a sink that's, I can't remember what the term is. It's like it sits on the... The vessel. Um, yeah, it sits on the, the countertop. So I don't even need to worry about plumbing on the inside yep. of it. It's just so, such a simple thing. But we haven't discussed the install. And it's the one thing that I'm nervous about. Because, you know, if, if this client says to me, will you install it? Like, I, it's, it's money, but I really don't want to. Yeah. I don't want that you responsibility. You know, you don't have to. You can definitely be uh, a maker of things who says, who says, yep, you know, right to your door, I'll even carry it into the house for you. And then you've got to get what I say sometimes, the relevant professionals to do the rest of the job. Interesting. I hadn't thought about it from that perspective. So is so there a plumber, very defined sparky, line? Where the, the, you it's can... pretty gray. Yeah. Um, and it depends often on the relationship between, say, the client and the plumber. Oftentimes, if for renovations, I find that the client already has an existing relationship with their other sub-trades. And so they'll, they'll be on a first-name basis. They, they're friendly. And so they'll be like, oh, you know, Jim the plumber, he'll just sort that out for me. And you're like, yep, right. fine. Thank you very much. Like it might, even, it might even be cheaper for them if the plumber is in there doing things. All yeah. their tools are mm. in the house. They're Good familiar point. with the house, whereas for you to move all your stuff in and out of a van, just that setup mm-hmm. time, yeah, sometimes mm. it does make sense just for them to say, no, nah, we'll just take it off your hands. 
So generally, yeah. like it's interesting, the plumber's got to be in there with his toolkit anyway. He's got to probably mm. drill a hole. He's got a silicon on whatever he's got a silicon on. It's very easy for him to run an extra bead of silicon along the back edge of the vanity, and it's finished. Mm. Um, sometimes they mm. won't because they're like, "Ooh, if I stuff this up, there's big consequences." But if it's like tile on tile, you can't really stuff up a bead of silicon. Mm. Um, so. You'd be surprised. Well, <laughs> we've, yeah. we've all learned at some point. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, if it's a vanity and you've got wallpaper behind it, you probably don't want to be oh, doing Oh, no, we can't silicon. go back to the wallpaper conversation. Yeah. We've, <laughs> <laughs> we've gone through that therapy, Joey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's, I mean, and that's a, that's a really, I guess, a good angle for me to take because I haven't actually sussed the room out yet. I haven't seen the room that it's going into. But if I didn't want to go with it, yeah, just say it's in your best interest mm -hmm. because you're getting the room renovated all at once. I'll give it to you. Just get the builder to put it in and the plumber. I mean, you think about it. If you buy a vanity from the shop, you don't yeah. expect the people at the shop to come in and store mm. it. Uh, usually, they'll get it'll be a combination of the builder and the plumber who does that in yeah. that case. So you and you can say, well, I'm not qualified to mm. be blah blah blah. Um, I just make boxes out of wood. So yeah, that's it. And, and talking about boxes, Brian, have you worked with Tasmanian Myrtle? Uh, actually, funny that you said that. I was in a timber yard the other day looking at the hydro wood. You know the stuff that comes from the bottom of the lake that they mm. recovered. Um, I nearly bought some. It was a little bit pricey for what I was doing, um, yeah. so I didn't. It, it looks beautiful. There's some amazing grain pattern on it. Wow. Um, and I reckon with finish on it, it would just pop. Like it's mm. really stunning. What kind but, of yeah. color is that? Uh, it's, it ranges all kind of reds, browns, caramels. Oh, yeah, okay. I didn't was, realize it had such. I thought it was very strictly red. No, no, no. It was. It was the piece that I were the batch that I was looking at were pretty brown. Um, <laughs> it was really nice stuff. But yeah, what's the supply on that like? I mean, are they having to dig up logs out of the lake? Yeah, is it pretty yeah, yeah. limited, or think, is it heaps? I think, I think it's called Lake Hyman um, in South. Oh, God, I'm just going to make it up. Maybe yeah. south western <laughs> Tasmania. But, I mean, they've been at it for years, and you see, right. if you go on Hydrowood's um, yeah, Instagram, you'll see, like, pontoons with diggers just sort of clawing. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. there must be plenty in there. Um, wow. I ha like, I haven't personally used it. I just bought some of the Tassie Oak, um, just to make a memory box for for Xavi, my son, mm. and I just wanted a bit of timber with a story, and I think that's their whole thing because you are paying a premium for it, mm. mm -hmm. for the story behind it, and the fact that it is obviously fairly environmentally friendly. You know, it's it's something that would otherwise sit at the bottom of the lake and eventually rot, and they're recovering it. Mm. Um, I have heard some issues of moisture. But obviously there the whole thing is that it's sealed, like because it's in a deep cold water lake, it's sealed from the oxygen. Yeah. So that's why it doesn't doesn't rot quickly. Like the, I think the timbers have been there for a hundred years or whatever. Mm. But um <clears throat> Yeah. When it's cut and dried, I think there are some problems with it splitting. Um right. I've heard and stuff. Yeah, I have heard of other makers having issues with it, so I There's just lots of wood that does that, though. I mean, there is, uh, I, there is. Yeah, Iroko is gonna split and twist true. on you no matter what you do. Yeah, true. So yeah, I just wanted to try a small bit to make a box mm -hmm. um, and see how flat it stays while I'm machining it. And 
But um, oh. yeah, it's it's beautiful stuff, and I I do love the story of you know it's been fished from the bottom of the lake in Tasmania. It's pretty it's pretty unusual. We have um, what they call swamp cowrie here. Yeah, yeah, which is the same thing, but yep. obviously different. <laughs> um, but it's it's it actually seems quite difficult to get a hold of. People say there are large amounts of it left, um, but it's just so damn expensive that mm-hmm. it's it's almost like why would you? Um, mm-hmm. It's it's not really that affordable. Mm. Yeah, unless you really find a client who's prepared to pay the premium for the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think this, like the Tazi oak that I bought in a normal uh, from a normal mill on Timber Yard, it was maybe probably eighteen bucks a meter at that dimension. And then you go into Hydrowood, and it sort of jumps to thirty dollars. Wow, as much as that. Yeah. Jeez. And the lake is freshwater. It's freshwater, yeah. Yeah. I would imagine a salt water would be more of a preservative, but I wonder what that would do to the timber. I think what the what happens is this is my understanding, is that the over time and in the lake environment anyway, the water the freshwater pushes the sap out of the log through the end grain and it replaces it. So you end up kind of infusing because it's the the natural sap in the wood, which is the problem with rot. So if you just replace it with water, which is the same as all around um, in the lake, then it kind of stabilizes. Mm. Um, As I understand it, what the, um, well, I don't know exactly. I believe uh, really early on in New Zealand's history, they would fell a log into a, a stream and let the water flow push the sap through the end grain and push the sap out the other end of the log over a few weeks. To purposely um, try to remove the sap from it? Yeah, and replace wow. it with water. Right. And that way when they mill it, the water um, evaporates and dries out much quicker than the natural sap does. That's right. crazy. So the and actual drying such a quick time... quick process as well. I would have thought the sap would get forced out over decades you know yeah we think about a stream with constant pressure on the end grain of a a freshly cut log all the sail pores are open and it's just going to kind of keep sucking up this this water and and it's going to get pushed kind of downstream and that is my understanding is that the water water evaporates much easier once they mill it and you have a a, Mm -hmm. a shorter drying time especially in those days everything's air dried and you you want the shortest possible dry time Um, but all those facts need fact checked do we need do we need a science with Joey segment on the, on the show? <laughs> you need you need a, a Joey needs fact checked. It sounded uh, it sounded believable. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Brian, you're working on a. I saw a picture on Instagram of a, a, a coffee table. Yeah. That, so that's if I'm honest, has the weirdest dummy. Is that thing massive or just very low? Uh, it's very low. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. it looked like yeah. a bed at first. Yeah. yeah I no, thought it was a bed. It, it's very very low. It's uh, three hundred high. Right. 1,300 long, 800 wide. So, yeah, it's quite low and it's wow. nearly like a crab, like it's sort of something on, on the ground rather. Um, but it was something that I spoke about in the show a long time ago and it's sort of gone back and forth from me to the client and it's a collaboration with the client's son who's an artist who does stuff with basalt. Uh, okay. So it's going oh, right. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So to map out the area that they live, which is near Hanging Rock in Victoria. And they've hiked around the different extinct volcanoes 
gathered rocks from each of the volcanoes, labeled them, and then the table is going to be like an actual map of the area with these rocks sort of... I think we're going to cut them into like, circles and inlay them, uh, inlay the basalt into the timber. So uh, it's not going to be topographical? It's not going to be topographical now. It's going to be right. 2D. Oh, come on. Yeah. Oh, that's, no, that's... Come on. I, here, I, work into it. I propose, <laughs> the, I propose the topographical one, but uh, they right. want the practicality of still having a flat surface. Yeah. Um, yeah, but no, I was glass. pretty keen. I was pretty keen to sort of carve up one side of it. Yeah. But um, but yeah, it's going to be a fun little table, and it's got it's playing with the idea. Of, um, so it's a split top. I wanted to keep all the spacings the same from the top to the legs, um, and it's wide enough that when it goes into a house, the shrinkage on it could make that gap a little bit big. You know, it sort of right. goes from one and a half mil to maybe three and a half mil by the time the top shrinks. And I wanted it to stay at one and a half mil, so I've gone a split top with uh, a groove in the middle um, mm-hmm. and the tongue that sort of sits in there. So, yeah, it's got a few little nice details in it, and um, it's a pretty manageable piece. I'm working how big, on how big are the pieces of basalt going to be? Because you say you're going to just I think the largest piece would be maybe 15 mil in diameter. Okay. Oh, and then, right, real, and then real we're gonna, small. Okay. Yeah, yeah, small. And then we're going to engrave um, some contouring around hanging rock um, and add some other features in tiny little brass dots. So, yeah, it's going to read like a map, but you'd have to know that it was a map before you saw it. Like, right. we didn't want it just to be all contours, so, it, you know, it's obvious. It's going to be like sneak, a... Can you sneak an X somewhere on the map? An X for what? Like X where the treasure spot. is. Oh, where the yeah. treasure is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll put it. I'll put, put it, it on the put it, underside, and eventually and, they'll yeah, underneath. It. Put it, carve a little X, and that'd be cool. Yeah, um, that sounds like an awesome project. Yeah, it's really, it's really fun. It's good clients, and um, yeah, it's always nice to work with. I've never worked with basalt, so um, nice to introduce something like that. Another is the stone going to remain thing? natural, or are you going to have like somehow cut it exactly like a disc or something? We're going to cut it. Yeah, using a diamond cutter. Um, yeah, like a plug cutter or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. That is and then the plan. Drop it into a into a, a rebate. Yeah, rebate, yeah. and then finish. You're I gonna, think we're going to pre. Sand? I think we're going to pre-finish. You can sand the basalt. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I'd be worried about the heat buildup in the basalt, um, then burning some of the timber next to. <laughs> ah, okay. Do, yeah. So I don't know the. Their son, the artist, has done a few test samples, and it looks good. But it sort of when it's sanded in there and it sits flush, it nearly just looks like uh, pyrography. Like it looks like it's just burned. Oh, you really? don't really read the texture of the rock. So I think we're just going to put a raw finish on yep. the stone, inlay it in flush. Um, That's cool. Yeah, just leave so it be. Yeah, yeah. Um, he does some pretty cool stuff with melting basalt dust, effectively huh. like turning it into glass. Um, so we still might, we might experiment with that. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because you're always going to get your timber, regardless, is going to move ever so slightly. So you're never going to have that completely <coughs> flush. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Even if it was epoxied in, you know, it could expand <laughs> differently and crack. But um, but yeah, that's a good one. And working on another little coffee table, just an existing design of mine that a client's bought for his house in Tasmania. Um, and then just quoting on a whole load of other small jobs. Like, it's definitely because the way things have gone, and especially in Victoria, it feels as though a lot of the commercial work is going to just 
drop like a stone. Dry up. Right. Um, and I remember saying this in our, our COVID special, our first yeah. episode where we sort of <laughs> tried to um, bang heads together and work out what we're going to do. And I had said about kind of pivoting my business to doing smaller pieces that were more easily cost managed. Yeah. And um, I was looking at designing a whole separate range. And then I thought um, of my star map tables and trying to find a way to make them more more controlled costs, how to flat pack them. And I spoke about mm. it on the show the other week about, you know, just going with hairpin legs. Yeah. So that uh, I've been working on that website in the background and that should be launching tonight, hopefully. That's oh, so awesome. you've got a whole different website for it and everything. Yeah, I figured oh, cool. that it was just getting... It's still going to be a sub-brand of my business, so it's going to be star-mapped by Sawdust Bureau. Right, but cool. I figured that it just needed its own, it needed to be simple and it needed its own landing page just to mm. yeah something that you arrive That's at. Good, whereas yeah. it felt as though I still feel as though I have way too much product on my website, right. um, and I thought that having this as a standalone thing would be an interesting test just to see how it works and, and easy to track as well. You can really yeah, yeah, track yeah. what's Ex- happening. So. Exactly, exactly. So I'll throw a little bit of Facebook ad spend behind it. I haven't done that in. God, years since I've sure. paid for a Facebook ad, but yeah. just something that you know it's brought the cost down by about well over five hundred dollars by switching the leg design Jeez. by just offering two sizes of top. Um, yeah, it's just allowed me to fix the costs a bit better. So uh, it's not a cheap piece of furniture, but it's more affordable and it's fully customizable. So it's. I'm kind of trying to get it into the range where people are buying it as wedding gifts, anniversary gifts, things like that. Yeah. So yeah, birthdays, yeah, cool. Yeah, so we'll yeah, wait and see how that goes. It's about locking it down, as you say, the costs yeah. and the process, and you know, you just nail it. So that's yeah. yeah. So even by having the two different sizes for the underside, like I now have a CNC file for my shaper that locates the um, the holes for the threaded inserts for the for the legs. Uh, it's yeah. locked my engraving place so it's a pretty yeah it's a controlled um, exercise to do it but uh, yeah we'll see we'll see how it sells yeah cool, cool. I've just finished a, a side table out of paper bark it looks never really used. nice yeah cheers so I've never used paper bark in that capacity before what a beautiful wood to work with um, just the the, the the grain it's just amazing you know having worked with Tassie oak a lot with a very long splintery grain. This is the complete off opposite. It's almost soapy um, in its texture. It's amazing. And um, tried a tea, tea bridle join at, on an angle for the first time, which was which yeah. was pretty exciting. Never done it before. Um, again, made me wish I had a, a table saw. Would have made the job so much easier. <laughs> and um, anyway, second time now using. Um, Hardwood, hard wax oil, and I don't know if I'm sold on it. Eh? Okay. Oh, you got I, oh, right. Okay. I don't. I like. I think it's good. I've got. I don't think it's bad, but I don't think it's the wonder child that everyone made it out to be. I feel much more confident with Danish oil. Huh. I just what find you, it's. It you gets think so it's the actual tacky. finishing? Oh, okay. It gets tacky and like. And, and I wanted to ask you guys in terms of when you rag stuff on, when you, or when you use a cloth, is there a specific, like maybe I'm getting the cloth wrong, you know, the type of cloth that I'm using. I Do use a ha- lint-free 
it's just like a white kind of industrial industrial wipe, I think it's called. I can't remember. Mm. I can send you the link. Um, but they're not terribly expensive, and yeah, they, they just don't leave any any lint behind. One thing I <laughs> like, I worry is it the is it the humidity where you are that is mm. causing you issues? Because I know sometimes finishing it on a like obviously in Melbourne we don't have much humidity, but mm. sometimes down here on a hot day. I'll really struggle to get the finish on quick enough. Yeah. And whether yeah. the humidity is messing with the tack and the cure time of it, that might be something Could to do be. with it. Could be, because I I, I'll admit, like, my, my having now stuffed it up and then watched some videos, <laughs> I've realized that my method isn't quite right. But if I'm applying to those four legs on that side table, by the fourth leg, that cloth that I'm using is gummy. Oh. It's really gross. It must and be a temperature thing. Never had an mm. issue with, with oils, which are obviously thinner. They, they are yeah. thinner. But yeah, it's, it becomes uncomfortable to work with. And especially on the top, if I don't roll, I just get streaks. I, I cannot get a streak-free finish. That's what I don't know yet either. I've only really used it on the chairs and I really loved it all the small fiddly parts it was great mm. I, I have yet to try it on a big surface and I'm going to have to do it soon and I'm a bit nervous that I'm just going to end up with streaky streaks um, nah you'll be, you'll be right but we'll see we'll see how we go I know with Danish oil it flattens out because it's so thin and mm. I, I know what you're saying Robin is that the, the Osmo or the other kind of hard wax oils there's much more solids in it and it's much thicker and I can see that it, it probably isn't going to just flatten out as much as something as thin as um, Danish yeah. oil would. Is that beautiful Levos, on legs? Um, that you're using? Probably? No, so it's... Uh, Whittle? Whittle waxes. Yep. Yeah. And it's obviously, this is, this is nothing against them. You know, I'm sure their yeah. product is fine. But I just haven't had that instant success. You know, you go on, you go on to on, online, you know, mm -hmm. the YouTube community, and it is the second coming when, it come, <laughs> when, it, when you're talking about finishes. And I just... I don't know. I haven't had this that a, epiphany moment. It's a good segue, I think, actually, because I wonder what if we just have a higher expectation for what the finish is meant to be. Mm. Um, so just before we started recording, I mentioned this video that has come out with um, mm. Ben Ueda, who's made this table, and, and it's a, he, he admits that it's a bit of a clickbaity. Uh, title it's something along the lines of five hundred dollar materials and sold the table for six thousand, um, which is fine. There's a whole. He seems to be just under the pump for um, under fire. bad bad <laughs> comments at the moment for like how dare you sell this table for six thousand dollars and it only cost you five hundred. And he addressed a lot of this on their podcast. Um, well, he addressed certain elements of the negative feedback. And, I mean, my, my take on this is good on him for making six grand. If someone sees the value in the table for $6,000, mm -hmm. fine. I don't care. I'd sell the mm. table for $6,000 if, if I could. That's like the ultimate kind of business. That's what you want to do. It's called entrepreneurship. Yeah. My problem with this particular one, and I don't want to call him out too much, but I think the quality of this table was pretty... 
subpar and here's me bragging on at the start of this podcast about this guy hammering <laughs> me for, for the kitchen I wanted to because what when you said about this, having a streaky finish Robin and I know that he brushed on only two coats of water-based polyurethane on that if my initial reaction was just like that is going to be streaky I can't mm. in my experience with water-based poly brushing it it's going to be streaky two coats it's going to be streaky and not very smooth yeah. uh, unless he's using something else that we don't know about um, and so that was my take on it. it was like cool that you made the six grand and the client he said is happy but I, I don't know that I could pass that off to any of my clients I've made tables for uh, the way he made it mm. there was some gaps in the actual tabletop itself and he just put like filler in it and now I, I, haven't, like, I haven't watched the, the, the yeah. video. What what's the? So it's just a plywood, a big hunk of plywood. Yeah. And he, but he made the plywood top out of four pieces of plywood because it's the tabletop was so big. And mm. um, where those joins come together, he admittedly showed that there were like gaps on the mm. tabletop, and he put filler, like like kind of wood putty, in those gaps between the pieces of plywood. And it's just kind of like. The, the reason this even kind of came to my attention was because we were dealing with this other client at the same time who's complaining about like a <laughs> about quarter, quarter of a millimeter. <laughs> and then I'm like looking at him filling like a two millimeter gap with putty that tapers off from like two millimeter to nothing over say a meter. And like, fine, it's fine if the client likes it. But, yeah, well that, that's but what it comes geez, down to. That's got to be like, what it comes down to. Come on, like the quality, the overall quality has got to be at that mark, I would have thought. I mean, what do you, what do you guys think about that? You, you, you go first, Brian. Okay, <laughs> so my take on pricing is whatever you can sell it for and get somebody to pay for it, good on you. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know, for me, like, if I take an example from my business, like my pinch bench, the material cost in a pinch bench is about 100 and about $140. Right. I sell that piece for about $3,000. Sure. I put a, I put a week, over, slightly over a week's worth of labor into it. Mm -hmm. yeah. So by the time you put my overheads, consumables, the cost of running my business, like everything into it, and the fact that I've spent so much, like I've spent, I don't know, there's maybe three or four iterations that that's gone through being fine-tuned to being a better product than the first one. I don't have a single problem charging that for it. If, if I had my way, and I'd, I'd probably charge a bit more because I feel as though it's, it's worth more. But I, I, actually, want the, I want it to sell. That, that seems cheap to me. Yeah. What my, my impression was that you were selling that for a bit more than that. No, no. There is The, the black version goes for a lot more because of the right. ebonizing process. No, no, right. Is that what it but was? But no, the, the normal one, I think it comes in at 3,400, I think, is the, is the plain thick ash and aluminium version. Right. But, you know, you market yourself and you hit a certain... I, I listened to... I haven't watched this YouTube video, but I listened to the podcast where they were discussing right. the critique of it. He's found a client base that are prepared to pay for it. Yeah. They have the money and they like it. To I me, don't think that's, that's not even a debatable issue to me. Not right? at all. No. So far as the design of it goes, I actually quite like it. Like, I like the concertina sort of style of yep. the, le the steelwork in the legs. Um, it reminds me a bit we've got a, a um, music venue in Melbourne called the Sydney Meyer Music Bowl it's kind of concertina 
mm-hmm. um, tensile structure. It sort of reminds me a little bit of that. Um, I'm not against you there either. I think that yep. the overall of that table was pretty cool. Yep. I totally agree with you that the top f- for that kind of money, I think there's other ways you could have brought the plywood together um, without compromising it so much as to have a couple of mil gaps. But that's just me. That's, yeah. I mean, like talking we actually, of- we actually did some um, uh, kind of brainstorming. Like I paused the video and I was like, holy crap, look at that gap. What would you do? And we had this little brainstorming session and we came up with like four or five different options mm. that could have either made it a feature or blended it away. Yeah. Other than using a, a wood putty. And, a, and he's self-admittedly, um, you know, reasonably new-ish to the making, especially for that kind of thing. I think he's yep. much more proficient in um, larger scale, like housing things. Yep. And he does lots of crafty, smaller things. But I think he hasn't done that many, like, kind of full-scale furniture, standalone furniture pieces. Uh, I think as, the, uh, the tool set as well. Like, so he's yeah. working with mainly hand, like, That's right. hand power tools. Mm-hmm. It, 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 doesn't have a joint there. He doesn't. Yeah. I don't think he has a thickness or anything like that. No, I think it's just so Ryobi is tools. Working within his limits, but there's definitely ways where you could have made that tabletop probably out of solid timber for not much more, and um, mm-hmm. and ended up with a better piece at the end. I think my uh, my um, what I wanted, to, what I would have done if I had, if I had made that top and there was a, like a gap like that. I would have, um, I think it would have been nice to route out all the, the yeah. joins. The full strip, yep. Yeah. 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 And and then do something creative with that. Yep. Either put, inlay put a brass, in, Put a brass yep. strip in it. Brass. Yeah. Even um, bir- like six mil birch ply on its yep. edge mm-hmm. and make some kind of cool mm. cross design yep. out of it. Or just inlay an extra piece of birch that you wouldn't really pick up except on like a certain angle and you'd see this extra kind of hidden detail where there was like a a birch inlay in birch and it would have been like, oh, that's really a subtle, cool little thing. Yeah. And all you really need is a router. Yeah, he could have just Mm. used a router with a straight edge, which he had. And and this is all 2020 hindsight, which is the worst kind of critique in the world. (laughs) But um, I, I just thought... I don't want to like beat on him, but I thought it was an interesting uh, for for us in the workshop. It was an interesting brainstorming session where we're like, mm-hmm. "What would we do if this was our? We had glued this up and we turned it over, and we're like, oh god, we got these gaps. What would what would we do with it? Other than what he did, like, what else could we do?" And it was just a fun kind of exercise as well. It's a, it really raises an interesting question, and and I guess this would come full circle back to talking about your client, Joey, because maybe in a way when we are pitching to clients, sub- subtly our, our level of expertise has got to match their expectation. Now, I think generally our expertise is going to outweigh their expectation because generally people we're selling to aren't woodworkers. But in this case, trying to show the world, you know, Ben's trying to show the world this table if he's showing it to woodworkers, of course. I mean, of mm-hmm. course we're going to do that. Like, I look mm-hmm. at a lot of my projects, and I think if you guys were to look at them, you'd, <laughs> you'd tear it apart. I because think the same about that for you guys, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Because we're, we're going to be the harshest critiques. Yeah. So then, yeah, how do you... 
there's 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 a whole movement behind rustic character mm. palette furniture. So, uh, yeah, in in some ways, of course, through your lens, it's going to look, or through our lens, it's going to look like that. But to someone who's never built a table like that, it's going to be the coolest thing he's ever seen. Um, I, yeah, think it, as, I think as well, it does, it does have an instant wow factor about it, like the form of the mm. legs or what sell mm. the piece. Yeah, not, not the, the top, top yeah. at yeah. all. I and got you there. Yeah. The legs could be, I mean, if in five years' time that plywood top is as damaged as I think it'll get and all the filler and everything's dropped out and cracked, just chuck away the top and put a, mm-hmm. put a new top on it and I don't know. I, That's an interesting I, idea, actually. I that do table... Actually, I do actually really like the legs. Yeah. I don't know how practical they are, whether you could sit that many people around the table. I'm not quite mm. sure. I'll have to go and watch the video. But um, the actual form of it, like I could imagine that in a very, very high-end office, you know, the sort of CEO's desk. That would be mm. a, an amazing piece. Um, as a dining table, I'm not sure how many people you can get around it, whether it be a I better way to do it. I think it would lend itself quite nicely to a concrete top. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm. And actually, there is a company in the States called Hard Goods. I don't oh, know yeah. if you're familiar with their stuff. Um, they're well worth a follow on Insta. They are the concrete gurus. Um, they run some amazing workshops in rammed earth and concrete in the, okay. in the U.S. And they did some stuff, some early stuff with steel frame and concrete tops, which are epic Absolutely awesome. epic. So yeah, if mm-hmm. anybody is interested in concrete and steel furniture, they are the people to go and look at. Hmm. Mm. Well, before I look at anything, I'm going to be looking at Ben's video tonight because <laughs> this, this sounds really interesting. Yeah, yeah I might have to go. Hey, and like it, I say, so. I didn't want to. I don't want to pound on him too much or anything. But I just thought. No, it was I, a, I don't think I, we are. I think we're no, being. It's I just mean, an interesting critique. Yeah, interesting topic where so much of almost I think all of the conversation is about how he can price that out and i i just think from i guess like you say robin from a maker's point of view that wasn't really what stood out to me yeah like how how much is it it's a 10 seater table or a 12 seater uh, table actually i I can't remember because it was all in feet and stuff but i feel like it was only just over it was i feel like it was only about 400 mil or so longer than a sheet so maybe only 2.8 long yeah okay but i mean how much are you going to pay for a dining table like in a big box furniture store that's still not a beautifully made piece of furniture like yeah. you're going to be paying in and around like four to six thousand dollars and for him you've got something that's completely unique like I don't, yeah I don't know charge whatever people will pay for it that's um, it yeah. but I don't think there's a huge amount that needed to be done to turn that from a six thousand dollar table into like a twelve thousand dollar table. Mm-hmm. Personally, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. So, just um, on a side note, uh, we've talked a couple times off camera about jaunt jaunt motors. Mm-hmm. That Instagram channel. Put a, a video came out recently. I'm not sure if it was today or or recently. Um, uh, I'm guessing it's Dave, the owner drove it out of the actually got in and drove one of them what a weird thing to watch a a, a land rover get in and start driving and it's complete silence just the most bizarre thing if you're on instagram 
um, have a look up um, Jaunt Motors. Um, and he goes through all like the electronics and stuff. Man, what a what a cool thing. We what really a, a, we we should reach out to them. I reckon they'd be pretty interesting to talk to. Yeah, like now having watched the video and how they come. I mean, all the electronics are handmade. It's all handmade. Jeez. Yeah. Bloody hell. Really interesting. Sorry, I know there was a bit out of left field, but yeah. I just yeah, <laughs> talking about Instagram just reminded me of that. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Oh, good. Are we at the end? Are we? Are we I think we are. This, uh, horse. It is eight thirty here, which is yeah, getting close to bedtime. So let's yeah. call it a day. Sorry. All right. So to everyone listening, I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please go ahead and give it a rating on iTunes. That really does help us out. The Shopstall podcast is available on iTunes and most other podcast apps. My name is Robin Lewis. Joey and Brian, thanks again for hanging out. Take care, everyone, and we'll see you in the next show. See ya. Cheers, fellas. See ya.